Food Heals Podcast, episode 293. So I did 60 days of drinking juice, and I did 90 days of eating plant food only, fruits, vegetables, nuts, beans, and seeds, and I lost 100 pounds. I got off all my medications. I turned around my debilitating autoimmune disease, and I was like, a new man. Throughout the years, I have really cultivated a practice of self-love, of self-care, and found the right diet for myself so that I'm able to have food freedom. Freedom has always been a really core value of mine. True freedom is creating boundaries that bring out the best in who you are. Spread love, not war. Speak positivity into your life every day and speak positivity into someone else's life every day. Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals Podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals Nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put down the Ben & Jerry's, get off the couch, and take a walk outside. If you experience any of these symptoms, tell your Facebook friends immediately. All right, Food Heals Nation, thanks for joining me. I'm Allison Melody, and today we're continuing on our journey to help you stay healthy in 2020 with inspiring stories from our guests on how to use physical, emotional, and spiritual tools to end emotional eating, drop the body shame, and lose the weight for good. If you missed out on the last episode, be sure to go back and check that one out as well for some amazing stories and tips. Something that I'm extremely passionate about is helping people find food freedom. So you know my story, you know I lost my parents to cancer by the time I was 25, and throughout my journey of grieving and grief and learning how to be in the world after that tragedy, I had so many weight fluctuations. I was doing so much suppression of emotion and using food as a way to soothe myself, as a way to hide from my emotions, as a way to reward myself rather than using food as fuel. And so that led to all kinds of issues like gaining weight, feeling uncomfortable in my skin, not cultivating you know, a loving relationship with my body. And so I really had to learn the steps to overcome that. And it took some time, but throughout the years, I have really cultivated a practice of self-love, of self-care, and found the right diet for myself so that I'm able to have food freedom. I don't have body shame. I love the way I look, not from a narcissistic place, but from a place of self-love, you know, and that's the difference. So If this intrigues you at all, I want to help you. I created a brand new course called Five Steps to Food Freedom. It's absolutely free. And my intention is that it helps you on your wellness journey. These are five things that have made a massive difference for me. And when practiced regularly, help me maintain my health and my weight. So I'm thrilled to share them with you at freeweightlosscourse.com. All right, next up, please enjoy these clips with lots of healthy eating tips, juicing recommendations, and weight loss inspiration. You know my first guest from a little film on Netflix called Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead. Yes, we're throwing it back to one of our interviews with Joe Cross. Roll it, Roxy. The Food Hills Podcast starts now. I'm nearly 50 years of age. In fact, this year I turned 50. And so for most of my life, like up until 40, I was in the world of finance and making money, investing money and trading money and all those things that you see on Wall Street, but mostly from the trading point of view and brokerage point of view. And then I, I sort of um, did pretty well in that and, and financially I did well, but my, uh, 
my health didn't do too well out of that. Sure. I sort of went into that industry at like 185, and by the time I left it, I was three 320 in pounds, and I was loaded up on lots of medication for debilitating autoimmune disease and pre-diabetic, high cholesterol, high blood pressure. I mean, you know, I was one bite away from a heart attack, mm-hmm. I'd like to say. Um, and so my, my life was in, my, my, my health was in uh, ruins. And so I decided to make a drastic change and leave all that behind and go out and really try and fix myself. Now, I, I, I didn't plan on leaving the, the world of finance behind altogether, but at least take a, a, year, out of, a year out and fix myself. And um, I ended up putting a camera on, on that journey just because of, for a laugh, really. I didn't think anyone would want to watch, watch it, but it was in 2007, and that was a time when I kind of got lucky, like Netflix was doing the red envelopes back then. Their, their Facebook was just very early. There was no Instagram. Twitter, I don't think it started. Might have just got going. And so for me, it was like this opportunity sort of collided. And I mean, YouTube was only two years old, right? And so the opportunity collided where I ended up capturing my transformation and my change from eating and drinking only fruits and vegetables for five months. I did 60 days of drinking juice and I did 90 days of eating plant food only, fruits, vegetables, nuts, beans, and seeds. And I lost 100 pounds. I got off all my medications. I turned around my debilitating autoimmune disease and I was like a new man. I mean, I was fat, sick, and nearly dead, which is the title of my first documentary film. Right. And um, then all of a sudden, five months later, I wasn't. <clears throat> and so it was kind of funny or incredible or lucky or however you want to put it all together that we captured this on film. And then a gentleman that I met at a truck stop also called me up after I'd done my journey and said that he needed help. And I thought this was great that maybe he would be like the first person to follow me. And he and had the same autoimmune same, disease. Same autoimmune disease, chronic urticaria angioedema. It's a fancy way of saying chronic hives. And so I, you know, through being a bit of a trader, taking risks, I went, you know what, let's go and film this guy in Iowa. And his name is Phil Staples. And Phil became a legend and a champion in the film. And and the, the same thing I did, we applied to Phil and it worked for him. And so that movie um, took a few years to get it out. And it, and it premiered on Netflix in July of 2011. So we're... Close to five years now. You know, this mm. July, it's five years since that film has been out. And that was really the the turning point in change. And, of course, the economic crisis happened in, in 08 and 09, and I was in the edit, and all my friends thought I was crazy. What's Joe doing over in America in some edit studio with <laughs> 500 hours of footage trying to make this movie? Drinking green juice. And, and, so, and I had this feeling that it would be big. I had this feeling that this could be a really big, um, a big thing. Um, no one else thought that except my close team that were working in the edit suite with me. But no one else thought it because they hadn't seen it, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I appreciated that. But when it came out, it really had a big impact on lots of lots of things in the world of juice and the world of smoothies and the search words for juice and, you know, juicer machine sales. And then, of course, the Nutra bullet. It used to be called the Magic Bullet, and all of a sudden it's called the Nutra Bullet, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden green drinks were in. It's totally they They're very in right now. They, they weren't in. They weren't, they, I, can, I can assure you they were not in when I was filming this in 07 and 08 across America. Right. Everyone thought I was just drinking swamp water. <laughs> um, and so that's kind of... And now I have a business um, which sort of um, does two things. I have two sort of co- companies, if you like. 
Um, one is a production company which makes movies, and we've done a second film called Fat Sick and Nearly Dead Two. Which I and love. now we have this new film out called um, The Kids Menu. And then my other part of my business is called Reboot with Joe, where we have a community and a website, and we um, offer products and services. That's how we fund it through through selling selling things like um, advising people which juices to go and get, or we sell advertising there and. And we also have things called guided reboots where people can go and get a coach and be taken through what I did for 15 days or 30 days. And so that business um, is the sort of, um, they're the two businesses that I have. So that's really what I do now. And so, you know, I'm back on the road again now at the beginning of this tour. I'll be on the road for three months now. So all of March, April and May, I'll be be on the road with a new movie and a new book. And so I've, I've had three films I think five or six books, three apps, um, and I've done numerous uh, talks. And you know, I, I'm I'm very very fortunate. I, I do something I love, and I'm I'm very lucky. Um, you know, there was certainly more money in the financial world than this game. But <laughs> there's this, no money in <clears throat> there's no money in this, but that's okay. That's okay. This is this is more a passion thing, and this is more about I I I'm helping. Well, I'd like to think I'm helping a lot more people doing this than I was. Um, back in the old days not to take anything away from that because you know there are lots of people that do that today that are still very generous with their time and money so but for me I'm, I'm much much happier doing this so what's a reboot a reboot is a period of time where you check out from what is normal sort of behavior of eating food and um, drinking whatever you drink and so it really is a period of time where I like to think about it a little bit like a time travel. If you think about time travel, uh, way back when we had periods of time where there was feast and famine. Mm-hmm. We don't have too many famines now, but we got a lot of feasting going on. And I think we've sort of somewhere along the line dropped the ball on this idea of the famine, of this going without for periods of time. And I'm not talking about starving ourselves. I'm talking about controlled a period of fasting and fasting generally is considered water only and 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 so let's if we talk strictly water fasting I've done that and look there are benefits to it but it, it's not I don't think it's ideal um, for everybody when we talk about juice fasting we're talking about extracting the water from plants in other words think about it as drinking water that's filtered through a plant so if you take some pineapple and take some watermelon and take some cucumber and some celery and some kale and you squeeze it or extract the water that's trapped in the cellulose of the plant, out comes a whole bunch of different colors, green, red, orange, purple, yellow colors that really are the sunlight that's been harnessed during the uh, photosynthesis um, stage of the of the plant growing. And it's in that sunlight, it's in that color that we find trapped lots of micronutrients um, photonutrients and and vitamins and minerals and sugars and 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 some proteins that are all have all been trapped in the plant and that's really what juicing is and so when you go on a juice fast you are drinking water that's filtered through plants you're also drinking a lot of normal water but you're getting a lot of nutrition like a you're really supercharging your body with phytonutrients now you are not putting fiber into your body, which really is the trigger 
that sends your body into this state of, oh my God, Joe, you're not eating. Because it's the, it's, it's the constant fiber that we're putting in our body, whether it's the, through animal product or whether it's through eating plants or however we're, however we're eating that requires the body to break down and digest food. So blending, for example, when you have a Nutribullet or a Ninja or a Vitamix or a Breville Boss blender or whatever, any of these machines, that's not juicing. What right. that is, is that's outsourcing the chewing to a machine. That is allowing the machine to break it all down instead of your teeth so that you can then swallow it. And remember, with most of this, these, these sorts of blending, you need to add a liquid to make it more drinkable. Right. So really blending is much more like eating food. Juicing is much more like drinking water. Mm-hmm. So the two are very, very different. Both are good because drinking's good and eating's good, okay? But they're both different. And so a reboot generally is a period of time between 5, 10, 15, 30, or even 60 days where you decide to drink water only filtered through plants. Now, the first three days is very, very tough because this is your body trying to say to you, um, this is not normal. You need to eat, and that's a very that, that's a really important thing. That's the safety net that we have. It's like human instinct. If you haven't been eat, eating, your body starts to think, "Well, hang on a second. Joe hasn't eaten for like twenty four hours. We're going to make sure Joe focuses on food because if Joe forgets about food, we'll we'll all die. All our cells and Joe will die. He needs to eat." Um, by the way, that period of time is probably two hundred and fifty days before he's going to die without any food. But still, you know, they jump on it early. And so after two days, they're really starting to get a bit agitated. And so the, the crankiness, the headaches, the tiredness, the, the withdrawals, the grumpiness, the lack of concentration, all is coming in. By the third day, well, the body is just saying, this is, you know, DEFCON 5. We need to, you know, alert, <laughs> alert Will Robinson. You've got to, like, you know, fix this. Yeah. And so it throws everything by the kitchen sink at you to try and get you to eat. Now, if you can break through that that three-day period on average for most people, something magical happens on the fourth day, which is the body realizes that famines are part of the plan. And so it sort of says, right, this isn't Joe's fault. It's because he's not eating. The environment around Joe has changed. We gave him all of these signals to eat. We gave him 72 hours at all, and he never ate a morsel Mm. of food in his mouth. So maybe it's not his fault. In fact, it probably isn't his fault, and he's on the savanna where there's no food around. Right. It's nature. It's not our choice. Correct. It's like this is the environment's change. So now the body says, right, well, we need to survive because everything about us is surviving. So we have to get out of the cave. We need to get down on the savanna, and we've got to walk 50 miles so we can find food. Mm-hmm. So let's give Joe all this energy to make him feel good. <gasps> that just made so much sense to me. And so now, because you're in survival mode, all of your senses are on high alert. So your eyesight, your hearing, your smell, your touch, um, everything's on high alert to try and find food. And of course, if you're male, your reproductive uh, abilities sort of drop away because there's not a lot of uh, benefit in trying to reproduce when there's no food around. So your your feminine side comes out much more. Your masculine dominant aggressive side drops. 
And I, I found that in the making the movie myself when I was on my long reboot is that I used to get road rage, but anyone cut me off when I want to reboot, it's like, come on in, there's plenty of room. <laughs> and so, and so you, you're, not, you're, not, you're not agitated, you're not angry, and it makes you calmer, which is also a good thing because when you're calm, you can you know, solve problems, which is the problem is we have no food. Mm-hmm. And so you're not hungry because the, it's no, it's, there's, no, there's no benefit of being hungry. There's no benefit to human who is looking for food to be hungry because that's not helping. Mm-hmm. So hunger switches off. Now, if you're blending or if you're eating, then as soon as you put that fiber back in the body, you will switch back to the normal mode of, okay, now we've got to eat, so now we're going to tell Joe three hours' time, four hours' time, be hungry again. So you'll break that, that what I call plan B mm-hmm. scenario if you eat or blend anything. But as long as you stay on the juice and just drink the water filtered through plants, which is really what I'm talking about when I'm talking about juicing, you can go quite a long time. And now while you're on this, you are supercharging more micronutrients that your body has ever had in any single day of eating food. Because when you juice, you can put a lot of volume through your juicer. The other benefit that what's happening is your body starts, because it's much smarter than you'll ever be. You've got to think about it. If you graze your knee, you don't need to think about healing. You just let the body do it. Right. You get out of the way. But if you pick at that, you know, say you did it on your knee, you keep picking at it all the time. It's going to get infected and you could lose your leg and you could die. Mm-hmm. So as long as you get out of the way, the body will heal itself. Yes. And this is another phenomenon that happens is that when you do this and, and, and when, you're, when you're on a reboot, you are allowing, you are virtually getting out of the way. So things that you may have been eating, and, and let's face it, you know, if, 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 if I take someone on 60 days of a reboot and the next day, a week later after they've broken their fast properly and they've had lots of fruits and vegetables, if I give them a pizza, it's highly unlikely that that pizza eating in that one moment is going to do a lot of damage to them. But if someone who hasn't done a reboot has been eating pizza every day of their life, Every day they eat pizza, it's almost like they're picking the scab because they're constantly putting something in that is causing inflammation, that is agitating and causing some kind of chronic illness. But if we can break the cycle and if we can have a give the body enough time without those things going on, so stop the pizza, stop whatever it is. And when you juice fast, you're stopping so many things that... You don't really need to know what it is that you stopped because you're just stopping everything except the water and the micronutrients. And that allows the body this chance for what I would call internally the metaphor of that scab to heal. So that then when you come off the reboot, if it's a long one, um, generally speaking, like in my case, my autoimmune disease is completely gone. I, I, I wouldn't say I'm healed because I feel that if I went back to my old ways that it would rear its ugly head. Sure. So I don't, I don't look at it as healed. I look at it as I'm managing it with a lifestyle where I don't suffer from it anymore. Yeah. And so that's in a nutshell. I know it's a long answer, but in a nutshell, a reboot is time traveling back to the days when feast and famine put yourself on a, neutral, a nutrition-based famine with lots and lots and lots of juice that's colors in all sorts of the different colors of Mother Nature's beautiful nutrition palette. And you are going to have sugar. And I know that sugar's got the big target on it right now. So try and get 25% of your juice from fruits and 75 or 80% from vegetables. Try and make sure that you're drinking lots of water. If you're on 
blood thinners, you don't want to do this. If you can get a doctor to monitor your salt levels, um, then that's important. We want to make sure that, that with that. If you're going to do more than 15 days and you want to take a plant protein, we have a pea protein at Reboot, which is a protein powder, you want to add to your juices because we want to, we want to make sure we've got enough protein going into your body. And really, you know, we've had we've had four and a half thousand people do our program where they've where they've signed up and paid, so that we know them. And then on top of that, there'd be hundreds of thousands of people that have gone out and done either five, ten, fifteen day, twenty day, thirty day, sixty day reboots that have had incredible results. And it makes sense because I haven't invented this. This is not something. Oh, you know, I got into my laboratory and. What about this? No, this is something that's been going on forever. And this is, this it was is big in the seventies, wasn't it? Wasn't juicing? Forget the seventies. How about the year seventy or seventy BC or seven hundred and seventy BC or five thousand and seventy BC? This has been going on since the beginning of time because we haven't always had this access to food. So there's always been feast and famine. Every mm-hmm. the way I like to think about it is that you know everyone listening to the show right now is is um is what's called a homo sapien. I mean if you've got cats and dogs well, they're not mostly. they're not, they're not <laughs> really listening, right? <laughs> but 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 anyone who understands maybe a better way of saying it, who understands what's going on in our communication here is what's called homo sapien. Mm-hmm. Now homo sapien depending on if you if you believe in evolution, which is I do versus creationism, so let's just run with evolution for a moment, is that we're 220,000 years old. Now that kind of means that we have 10,000 sets of grandparents that are homo sapien. Forget homo erectus, humanoids, and everything else going back four or five million years, just us as we are now. And so we have 10,000 grandparents that have swapped genetic material to make the magnificent us. Only probably half a dozen of those grandparents haven't gone through famines and that's and i'm being generous by saying a half a dozen mm-hmm. you okay? never think of it like that that's really interesting so all of our ancestors have gone through periods where they haven't eaten for periods of time and it didn't do them any harm because it created us and we're still here yeah so you know religion christianity um, hindu muslim uh, buddhist they all have fasting fasting's a part of religion and so it makes a lot of sense to me. When dogs are sick, they don't eat. When horses are not well, they don't eat. Um, babies, actually, when they're not well, they have a temperature or they don't eat. So we, are, we have this pre-programming, if you like, where we kind of know that we shouldn't eat as much as we are. But because of the addictive and, and uh, the sugar, the fat and salt, and we've created this bliss point, which we're really good at in science, and because of the the social pressures, and because of the economic pressures, and the way that this whole system set up, that we have turned food very much into entertainment, and so we are at this. We, we are we are we are born in this moment in time where there are so many wonderful things going on. I mean, you know, look at it. You know, I flew in from Sydney yesterday. It took 15 hours. I got on a steel round tube and I watched movies. I had a meal. I had a sleep. <laughs> I was able to go to the bathroom and all going along at 700 miles an hour in the air, 40,000 feet above the ocean. And it still amazes me that that thing takes off in Sydney and lands in LA. I yeah. mean, it, you know, it's, it's still, it's still mind-blowing. 
And so we live in this incredible time where all of these amazing things are going on, yet we have to be careful that we live in this time of the elevator, of the escalator, of the automobile, of the chair, of the Big Mac, of the In-N-Out Burger, of the pizza. <laughs> you know, we live in this time where the access to calories is, is never, ever, ever been so easy. And the ability to not spend any calories to do things has never, ever, ever been so easy. So we are set up um, where it really is set up for us to fail. And so mindfulness and being aware of that and understanding that is a huge step forward to just just comprehending that, that, okay, everything is set up for me to be fail, so I've got to really be on guard. I've got to like be conscious. I just can't let unconscious decisions take over. If I go out to lunch with people, I've got to really watch what I order. If I... If I go to the mall, maybe I don't drive around looking for that closest car park to the mall. Maybe I park as far away as possible and get some incidental exercise in. When I see the escalator elevator, maybe I look for the stairs. Just little things start to be more conscious of, and, and that can have, over time, a, a quite a big effect. I feel like we're at the Church of Joe. Like, preach it, Joe! <laughs> <laughs> All right, hope you enjoyed that clip from our interview with Joe Cross. To hear the full conversation, go back and listen to episode 73 of Food Heals. And Food Heals Nation, we are just about a week away from V-Day, Valentine's Day, and I'm lucky enough to be surrounded by some beautiful flowers in the Food Heals podcast studio sent to me by Venus of Fleur, which is a beautiful brand which has roses that last a year, and they smell so good. They just smell like this tea rose essential oil and they really brighten up my space. And it doesn't matter who you're gifting to this Valentine's Day, Venus of Fleur delivers luxurious excellence through their real roses that last a year and their brand new Rose Blanche candle. So for your significant other, you know, this is a luxurious gift that you can get them that really lasts just like your love. (laughs) And for maybe your mom, your sister, your daughter, family or friends, it really is the perfect gift because it does last and it's so nice not to have your roses you know start to die right after you get them these really do last I've had mine for weeks now over a month and they are beautiful and they smell amazing so of course you know I scored a discount code just for you Food Heals Nation that is Venus Eflor dot com v-e-n-u-s-e-t-f-l-e-u-r dot com slash food heals Enter the promo code FOODHEALS and you'll get complimentary shipping on these beautiful flowers. And these flowers are coveted by A-listers like Gigi Hadid, Cardi B, and the Kardashians. So if the celebrities want them, you know that they are truly luxurious. And what I think is the coolest thing about them, besides the fact that they last a year, is the customization that you can do. So you can go on Instagram and see this. You can go to their website and you can see all the beautiful flowers that they have customized. You can customize your colors. You can customize the roses to spell out people's names or things like I love you. They really are stunning. So check them out. If you are into beautiful things like I am, you're going to love these roses, whether it's for that special 
special someone or a self-love treat for yourself, a lasting impression is always made. VenusAtFlor.com slash Food Heals. You'll get complimentary shipping. Happy Valentine's Day, Food Heals Nation. And in the next clip, we're talking to Katie Kremitzos, who you may remember from our most recent New Year's episode. She hosts the Meditation for Women Network podcast. And in episode 180, she took us along her weight loss journey. Roll it, Roxy. You have an inspiring weight loss story, and you overcame an eating disorder, asthma, and you became now you're this healthy, hot mama with your podcast. <laughs> but can you take us back to like, where did it all start? Yeah, so I would really start it where probably most anyone who has ever dealt with some sort of like a food issue would would probably identify, which is kind of my my upbringing with food and what that was in my family. And in my family, it was everything. That's what we, you know, my mom showed love through food. And so it was a lot of eating. It was a lot of eating on a budget. So it was about lots of portion for little amounts of money. Right, and right. Um, I learned at a very young age how to eat at a buffet. Um, it was if you're going to pay five dollars for a buffet, you better get twenty five dollars worth of food. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. So it was. It wasn't. I can't even say it was just like just the food thing. It was like it was getting it was your money's like, worth. <laughs> yes, very much so. And those two things were so uh, intrinsically connected. So. It was never about quality of food, not to say my mom is, act, is actually a very good cook, but it was more so about the quantity that we could get out of it. So fast forward, the idea that I spend $4 on a non-dairy butter is just ridiculous. It doesn't even matter that I don't <laughs> use butter, that butter that much, right? That's my right. way to understand it. So anyway, and I was also an athlete. I was an avid athlete, still am. What that looked like was I could eat whatever I wanted while I was, you know, junior high, high school. And I loved um, those days. <laughs> you know, and girl, girl, did I take myself up on those days. I, yeah, I, I miss those days. Anyway, please continue. Yeah. Um, so I could eat whatever I wanted and I would be at whatever practice for whatever sport I was doing for three to five hours a day and right, in yeah. whatever PE classes I was taking for two hours a day. So I was working it off. I wasn't ignorant to the fact, like I knew even back then, like I'm eating too much and this is not good. Like I, I knew that back then. <laughs> but uh, what ended up happening was that I went to college and I stopped being an athlete. Uh, I still worked out, but I stopped being an athlete. And so I was no longer having these five to six hour intense training days. And I was still eating the way that I was used to. And right. all of a sudden... You know, over the course of the five years that I was an undergrad, I had an extra 60 some odd pounds on me. And at that point, fast forwarding into those college days, that's when I really fell in love with women and who we are in this world as a whole, because I was starting to take like feminism 101 classes and women in communication. And it just opened my eyes. And the marriage of those two things the overlapping of those two things allowed me to stay in that heavy space for a really long time because I was the one really chanting, you will love me even if I'm, you know, big and bold, who cares? Like I am right. not gonna, I am not gonna fall in line with whatever you think the the socially accepted body needs to look like. I mean, I was really that yeah. girl. Did you stop shaking your armpits? Yes, I did. I, I'm i psychic. Yeah. <laughs> vision her not, it's like stop, I get it. I went to Berkeley, I went through that phase. <laughs> <laughs> down with the man i am woman hear me roar i'm not totally, gonna shoot totally totally i was did like you stop shaving your armpits did i no but i was surrounded <laughs> by people that did 
<laughs> I did. I did wear patchouli. I did try that no deodorant yes. thing. It didn't work. I wore patchouli. <laughs> See, it was a whole thing. I think a lot of us went through that. For me, it was very much like an owning of like I can be anything. Now, what I thought freedom has always been a really core value of mine. I, I, you know, I've always known that in some way. It was always, still is, very important for me to do what I want to do. I don't want anyone telling me what I am or am not allowed to do. So you can see where all of those things sort of created a shitstorm, if you will, of <laughs> like, I'm going to tell you what I'm allowed to be. And this need to sort of be a rebel because I need to be a rebel, like really for no other really real reason. But what I was doing in the, in underneath all of that is that I was thinking that true freedom meant no boundaries, like nothing, like I could do everything and anything in the food world. I could eat anything and everything and you will love me. Like there's nothing, you can't keep me bound in, right? Mm -hmm. Fast forward, I now know, and what I had to learn the hard way was that, in my opinion, true freedom is creating boundaries that bring out the best in who you are. Um, yes, and so I love that. The way that, that ended up manifesting for me was post-undergrad, I came out, that's when I moved from Arizona to Florida. I came out to Tampa for uh, my master's degree. And um, I think it was like in my first year... I ended up meeting another girl who became a good friend of mine. And together we were like, well, I, I remember like right when I was becoming friends with her and we were starting to hang out, she was another sort of like ex-athlete, still trying to be an athlete type of a thing. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror and I was, I didn't weigh myself at that point because I was like anti the scale, <laughs> but right, I, right, right. I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can see. See, Susie, you asked why I had so much energy. You can hear, you can hear all this in my stories, right? <laughs> I love it. I love it. You're like, you know, I'm picturing you had your own like little mini Russian revolution of like fitness. You're like down with, down with the man, down with, I'm going to do what I want. Like, I love it. Please go yeah, on. <laughs> pretty much it. Um, but I, I had this moment where I remember looking at myself in the mirror and I, I had to weigh 210, 20 or 30 pounds. I don't know. But and how was, tall are you? I'm five, five. And just to give you a, a scale right now, I weigh about 150. So, and th th I consider myself in a pretty normal, healthy body for me right now. So, so you're looking at a, a good chunk of weight on me. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror going, I am not happy in this body. And I don't know who I'm trying to fool by, you know, rebelling against the man or whatever society is supposed to tell me. I don't care about that at that point. I'm not comfortable and I need to do something about that. Did you feel and a so sort of protection in any way from being in that body yeah. oh I, I mean yeah you want to dip dip into the psychological reasons why I had that for dip. so long <laughs> we love the psychological you're willing <laughs> I, I mean this is like a free counseling session for me are you ready <laughs> um, so we're good about your mother no just yeah kidding. right <laughs> um no, I mean, there was a lot of psychology, a lot of reasoning behind why I was in that body and comfortable in that body, because I was truly terrified of relationships. I was terrified of men. I was terrified of people not liking me, really, and not loving yeah. me. And, you know, another giant value of mine has always been great love. Like, not just like, oh, I want to get married and have kids. Like, it's never been that. It's been like, I want earth shattering, mind blowing, making waves in this universe type of soulmate love. And having that expectations. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, I want that. <laughs> That's a whole different story for a whole different podcast. It is. <laughs> but the point being is that that was a huge value of mine. So imagine, I I'm sure I, ha I know that I had enough rejection 
that had happened that somewhere in me was, well, I don't, if I'm big enough, they'll never accept me, which means they can never reject me. So I, I became the best friend. I was the little jock best friend to everyone. That's who I was. And I did not date throughout college at all. So you were the best friend. So you were the girl where the guys always went for the best friend and you were the sidekick in the movies. Oh, totally. I was that girl. <laughs> yeah. I was the one giving all the advice about why they should break up with so-and-so because she totally takes advantage of you <laughs> describing exactly what you need. And it happens to look a lot like me. Yeah, that was it's so pathetically cliche. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> So when did you start to shift into better behavior and practices? Um, well, I didn't before before it got better. Well, I should say I started from that moment of looking myself in the mirror. I started with the intention of losing weight in a healthy way, like getting healthy. And I had this girlfriend, and the reason why I talk about her is because, and she's poignant in this story, is because she was a buddy and it became very normal. Whatever we were experiencing together became normal because she was doing it too. So there was never, it took a long time for me to see that what I was doing was not normal. And what I was doing was, I wouldn't say I was starving myself, but it's not that far off. Like I pretty much developed a really nasty eating disorder. I never had bulimia, but I pretty much had a combination of like overeating, binging, throwing a little bit of anorexia in there at some points. I mean, it was right, just, right, right. just a really nasty combination of trying to control my food. Like restrict in certain areas, work out like a crazy lady um, so that I could burn off all the calories that I might have had, I might have taken in that day, but really control and be super perfectionistic about my food. And that lasted way too long. I think of, gosh, probably two years, maybe a few years more than that. I, I honestly, I've kind of lost track of the time in my head. <laughs> so my friend, she's never been on the podcast, but I've asked her to come on. She calls this exercise orexia because that's what she had, yeah, basically. Yeah. Then then go anorexic for a long period of time, then binge, but exercising like crazy the whole time, like two to three hours a day, intense cardio, taking classes like that. Her her day was based around food, not eating and exercise. Yep. And that's exactly what my life turned into, which is why I absolutely identified with having an eating disorder. Not then. It took me a little while to really own that, but it was because literally I had all my day was, was exactly what your friend just described. It was like, what am I eating and what am I not eating? What is my day of food going to look like? And what workout am I going to have? Because if that is not answered, then I need to either starve myself some more because I didn't work out or I need to have a harder workout the next day. And literally, that's what took up all of my mental energy. And your friend was doing this with you. So you like had this power together. Totally. I didn't. So I didn't see it as anything weird. You had you a know. non accountability. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like a negatively yes. negatively impacting accountability <laughs> or, or just yeah. a codependent really but yeah. yeah 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 exactly it was very just like I know what is best you know because I am and I was losing weight so here I was I'm I'm losing the weight because I'm drinking crazy amounts of diet coke all day to to ward off any hunger I actually might have um, I would eat a pretty healthy dinner I would have a workout somewhere in there and because I was losing weight, I could sniff my nose up at you and say, yeah, that's not healthy for you. I know right, what I'm right. doing. You obviously don't. I, and I'm really <laughs> embarrassed to even talk about what a pain in the butt I turned into and how self-righteous I really got. You know, it was really ugly. I mean, to the point where there's six kids in my family and one of my sisters I'm super close with. And she more than once was like, you are turning into a very selfish person and I don't like you. <laughs> and I don't know what you're going through in life, but I don't like you quit looking down on me like that. And I'm like, Oh, 
okay. Wow. <laughs> Big wake up call. Yeah. And that must have taken a lot for her to say to you. Oh, huge. I mean, well, I mean, we're very honest with each other, so it's not that big of a deal. But (laughs) that's what siblings are there to do. I know. On your shit. Pretty much. Pretty much. (laughs) I am very grateful that I heard her and I have enough. I have so much respect for her. So so I could hear her when she said that those few times, you know, and there were two moments of rock bottom for me and they both involved her one and they were both kind of right together. One was I was back home at Christmas and she and I went on a walk and here I was spouting all this. I am so much better than everyone else because look at how sexy I am because I know how to exercise and eat. I mean, seriously pathetic. And that's when she told me, like, you are a really selfish bitch right now. And I don't know what's going on, but like, you need to, you need to like figure something out. Like, tell me how I can help you. And then the next moment came just a a few months later when I was visiting her with this friend, this friend came with me. We were obsessed with working out, eating, not eating, judging what she had in the house. And I, uh, my very first nephew was about a year old at the time. And I remember I was just so exhausted from all of that that I was never, I wasn't present with him. And I remember leaving there going, I totally missed that whole vacation. Like I totally missed that time with him. I didn't, I didn't even see him. Those two combined things was like, okay, I'm done with this. I can't, I, this is not worth this. And that's when I basically signed up for the, a 12 step program. And I was like, I'm getting out of this and I can't do it by myself. Good for you. Yeah. And what was the 12 step program? Like, I know what that is kind of for AA, but what is that in this case? Like, what what are the, some of the steps? So they have a, um, they're all exactly the same steps. They're just oh, customized, so- obviously, for whatever the issue or the, the addiction is. This one was called OA or Overeaters Anonymous. I actually kind of think that there's like an Exercisers Anonymous. Um, <laughs> I think that might be a case. I mean, there yeah. literally is like every, there's a 12-step program for every addiction you could possibly have. And they just really make those 12 steps work for whatever the language is for that particular addiction. So I was really lucky because it was a bunch of old ladies. I uh, It just happened to be that 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 group of I was the youngest one there except for the girl who ended up becoming my sponsor was like a year younger than me and other than that it was like a bunch of old ladies and we were all talking about exactly this and that was the first time I ever was like oh my god you've done that too with food you hid that too you stuffed your face there before you went to go out and eat and you did this too and and so all of a sudden I was like okay I'm not alone in this and they seem to be having success doing this and I'm going to keep trying this. Like, I'm going to keep doing that. And that group, I basically incubated myself in that group, gosh, for probably almost a year and ended up kind of getting myself out of all of those habits and all out of that addiction. That's incredible. Congratulations. Always a blast to have Katie on the show. I get to hang out with Katie next month in the beginning of March, March 5th through 8th at PodFest. If you want to meet us, come on down and join us. It's We're going to be at PodFest and VidFest. I'm doing a book signing. I'm doing a workshop. I'm talking on the wellness panel, and I'm hosting the karaoke party. So if you want to come, definitely let me know because I've got your tickets for you. I've got VidFest tickets, PodFest tickets, and my workshop tickets for a super low price just for you. So let me know if you want to join me. Email me at info at foodhealsnation.com. You'll get to meet me. You'll get to meet Katie. We get to all hang out. It's a really, really fun conference for people in the content creation space and specifically a bunch of us in the wellness space as well. Um, A bunch of us from Rise and Bloom, my online mastermind are going. 
So if you want to come and hang out with some wellness chicks and dudes, let me know. Info at foodhealsnation.com. And yeah, Katie was on episode 180 and 287. So you can go back and listen to those if you want to hear more with Katie. And Food Heals Nation, if these last two episodes on really wellness, weight loss, and maintaining that healthy diet, healthy body are resonating with you and you need the next level help, I've got two ways to help you this year in 2020 really reach your goals and create goals that are sustainable, that last. That's what I'm all about is creating lifestyle changes, not quick fixes. And so if you want to learn more, if you want to dive deep with me, I've got my free course for you five steps to food freedom. You can sign up at freeweightlosscourse.com. And that's where you're going to hear really the five things that I've done on a regular basis, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically to get my body to a place where I love my body, where I celebrate my body, where I feel confident in my own skin. And so it's not just what I'm eating every day. It's not just my exercise every day. It really is cultivating a spiritual practice as well. And so I go through some of my top five things that really, really helped me. And those are all free for you. And if that video resonates and you're like, I need the next level help and you want to spend three weeks with me really diving deep and creating practices in your life, creating sustainable changes that last, then I've got something for you too. That's over at dropthefoodshame.com. It's my food freedom three-week course where you're going to get classes and practices and meditations that you can start implementing right away, adding these healthy healing tools into your healing toolbox so that you can create long-lasting change, so that you can get over all of the things that are holding you back from having the body that you want, from having the life that you want, from being happy in your skin, from stop to stop shaming yourself every time you look in the damn mirror. Like, I'm over that. Let's stop that in 2020. I know we can do it. Let's do it together. Dropthefoodshame.com. I'm here for you. Email me if you have questions. Info at foodhealsnation.com. Have you heard of Care Of? Care Of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best and supports you long term. So the Food Heals series that you're listening to right now is all about maintaining your health, maintaining your wellness, and creating a plan that you're going to stick to for 2020. And that's why I'm such a huge fan of Care Of because they can help us along that journey. And I love how Care Of customizes a plan exactly for you and your needs because we're all different, right? So they have vitamins and powders that will support your specific health goals this year, like improving your fitness routine, losing weight, or managing stress. And the way that they do this is that before you order anything, you take a quiz. It's a short online quiz and you answer some questions about your current diet, about your health goals, about your lifestyle, and Care Of will actually recommend a list of vitamins and supplements specifically for you for your health needs and goals. And you know that I only rave about companies with high quality ingredients. That's why I love how Care Of is focused on the quality and the science and research that goes into each of their products and recommendations. Their protein powders are not only delicious, but they're also made of real ingredients that you can recognize, like organic cacao, yum, and pink Himalayan sea salt. And they're easy to take along with you wherever you go, if you travel like I do, or if you just like having the convenience of throwing the vitamins in your purse so that you can get to them throughout your day that you know they have the individual eco-friendly packs that you can throw in a bag and they're made of compostable films so 
you know, this is something that is not going to contribute to messing up our environment. It's not in plastic packs or anything like that, like a lot of these vitamins are. And there's tons of info on actually how to compost them on Care-of's website. So I love a brand that actually cares. That's why Care is in their name. And of course, I scored you an exclusive, amazing discount of 50% off. So to get 50% off your very first Care-of order, go to Take careof.com and enter the coupon code foodheals50. That's foodheals50 for 50% off. And then you're going to take the online quiz or you're going to answer easy questions like how much sleep do you get? How often do you work out? Do you follow a special diet? For me, I was like, yes, I'm vegan. Are you concerned about your hair, your skin, your nails, all of the things? And then you can follow care of expert recommendations and you can adjust your pack at any time. What you receive is absolutely up to you and based on your individual needs. Our next clip is another interview deep from the archives. It's with Christian. He's a chef and weight loss blogger who lost a whopping 187 pounds in just 10 months by juicing his way back to health. And our guest from the top of the show, Joe Cross, was a huge inspiration for Christian along his healing journey. So I thought this was a nice way to wrap up the episode. Enjoy. Roll it, Roxy. Christian, will you tell our listeners, just because we have your bio, but they don't know, where where were you at in terms of your weight before you started your fast? How much did you weigh and how did you feel? When I first started, I was 402 pounds and I stand six foot three. So I'm a pretty big guy. Yeah, I was um, I was always into sports, I would say, but, you know, never played anything any in high school or whatever. But I always try to keep myself active. I mm-hmm. was at the gym a lot, but just the wrong type of program. And that means the diet was off. So sure. I was very familiar with actually working out, but it was just that my diet was off and I just never really paid any mind to it. So, so at this weight, you were working out, but you were just yeah. eating more than your body needed. Yeah. I was more of a lifter, <laughs> a more okay. of, a, of a heavy lifter. Then I had a 400 pound bench press and 400 pound squat and 400 pound deadlift. And I had pretty much accomplished what I felt what I needed to far as in, in, in weights and far as uh weightlifting. And so when I did lose the weight, what I did, I just eliminated all of that. I just did only cardio for at least the first six to seven months when I was losing weight, because I knew how I felt after I lifted weights, I knew I would be get I began to get more hungry or, you know, the hunger, it was, it was hard to satisfy my hunger after working out with the weight. So kind of rewinding and everything to where I initiated at being at 400 pounds is I had sleep apnea, which is you stop breathing in your sleep and oxygen stops going into your brain. So mm-hmm. you wake up uh, slothful, you wake up droggy. And me woke up with a bit of a chip on my shoulder or an attitude because you're not getting any sleep. Mm-hmm. And that came along with high blood pressure. I was on uh, high blood pressure medicine. So high blood pressure medicine and sleep apnea were the two things I was fighting against. So I had to sleep with a a, uh, a CPAP machine, mm-hmm. a CPAP mask to where the air would be forced into my nose at night. And so my air, what I would call it, my airwaves wouldn't be blocked. Mm-hmm. My chest was so big because I was, you know, big at the, that was, I was so big at that time that when I was laid on my back and when I slept, my airways would close and that would cause me to snore. But that snoring was 
stopping me from breathing and no oxygen to the brain. So there was, I was, took a sleep study in order to even get that CPAP machine. I was just going to ask, was what made you decide to make this huge lifestyle change after losing three family members to these lifestyle-related diseases? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, my mother passed in 08 of complications from breast cancer. Um, my cousin passed, I believe, in 2011. He was a, a pretty big guy. And my grandmother passed the following year in 2012 to some health related issues. Mm-hmm. And so in 2013, I just knew something had to change because I just became more isolated, you know, after those. And I was just like, okay, you know, not only did I survive or just deal with high blood pressure and with a CPAP machine. And at that time, you know, I'm young when I first got diagnosed with it. So I'm thinking that all bounce back. It's not that serious. I didn't know the severity of all of that. Sure, sure. I was 23, 24 when I got admitted to the hospital. I went in with a horrible headache and come to find out it was I was borderline stroke. Oh my and, God, at yeah, 24 years old. Yeah, at 24 years old. So I don't, I wasn't 400 pounds in. I think I was somewhere around 330, 340, somewhere around there. And I just thought it was a normal headache because my prescription glasses, I thought that, hey, it was time to get, you know, some new glasses or what have you. Mm-hmm. But I had a headache that I couldn't shake. So end up going to the prompt care. Prompt care forwarded me to the emergency room and emergency room to end up admitting me after they ran a couple tests and saying, well, you have high blood pressure, you're on borderline stroke. So getting all this fluid drained off of me, taking all these pills, everything was just too much. At that time, I was I was working a full time job for as 12 hours a day, you know, oh being, a, being a manager. So it was it was a lot. During that time when I was admitted in the hospital, they found out that I was stopped breathing in my sleep. So that's when they did the sleep study. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was diagnosed with sleep apnea and saying, well, hey, no, not only do you have these pills, now you have this big machine that you have to sleep with every night to get a full (laughs) night's rest. So like I said, survived that or was dealing with that. And then within the next couple of years, my mother passed and then my cousin and then my grandmother. So all that culminated to the top of 2013 where I'm sitting like, okay, something has to give. You got to do something. Yeah. You know, you can't keep doing this. And it took me a while because obviously, you know, with my situation and then the family situation. But, you know, it took me a while to start investigating things and just getting my mind wrapped around what I needed to do or make a change. Because, you know, sometimes you could be around people and they say, oh, you're just fine. You know, you're fine. You're fine. And no one ever questions that. And I'm talking from a personal experience, you know, when you're big and you're overweight, no one really questions you being that size Mm -hmm. and maybe they're trying to not hurt your feelings, which I get. Right. So fast forward to when I lose weight, then it seems like, or when you're in the process of losing weight, people question that more than they do when you were big. And that's just kind of an observation that I've gotten. I've been, you know, just watching and observing people as I've lost weight and sharing my story. I had more questions about the health of myself when I was losing weight versus that my health when I was 400 pounds. <laughs> sure. Yeah, which is kind of weird. But going back to what I was saying about the top of the year, 2013, I just had to investigate and watch a lot of documentaries, Googled a lot. And I finally decided to say, well, you know what? Hey, it's time for a change. Let's go ahead and do it. There's no better time than now. Good for and, you. you know, I just went for it. Christian, when you were diagnosed with a borderline stroke, did the doctors that were dealing with you, did they say it would be really beneficial to change your diet, to lose some weight. Did they give you any guidance in that respect? 
Yeah, and they did. To answer that question, they did. They was, you know, monitoring my weight and saying, well, hey, you know, you got to lose weight. You have to drop your, you know, your intake. And at the time, you know, I'm just thinking, I'm like, well, when somebody tells you about losing weight, the first thing you do, you get on the defense. So of you're course. like, well, I'm not, right. you know, I'm not eating that much, you know, a nibble here, a nibble there. But, <laughs> You know, how many nibbles are you doing in an hour, you know? Yes. And what I found out is, to me and my personal experience, is that the pills that I were on, you know, I was on a water pill, and, and I can't remember the other one. I was on like three. But it seems like I became more hungry mm. as I was taking the pills. Yeah. Then I started to get to my own thoughts. I'm like, okay, is this a game? You know what I mean? Do they want me constantly coming back for these pills because I'm not losing this weight. And they weren't weight loss pills. They were to maintain blood pressure. Mm -hmm. But maybe it was just my reaction or maybe it was more mental. Who knows? When did you make the implement the change where you went on the fast? Uh, it was yeah. July 5th. July 5th, 2013. I chose that date because it was the day after the 4th of July. So I wanted to make sure I got all my barbecue and, you know. <laughs> I, I played it out, you know. I I timed it. I started thinking about about probably uh, around May. I one said, last you know hurrah. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me get all the cakes and ice creams. Let me do whatever I need to do. Let me eat till I'm sick because I don't know how I'm, how I'm going to last on all of this. Wow. But when I started, I just wanted to go for about three days just to see if I could do it. And what you was know? that? Like, what were you doing for three days? Was it a juice fast? For three days, yes, ma'am. It was a a juice fast. And at the time, I didn't have a system of doing it. You know, after watching, you know, films and documentaries, I just saw them drinking, you know, maybe one juice. Nothing was said about times, quantity and everything like that. So, you know, I'm just carrying around a, a 32 ounce bottle of juice. I'm, you know, working an eight hour shift in the kitchen in the summer. It's hot. I'm 400 pounds. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, all that. And I'm sipping on the stuff. I'm like, well, I don't have any more left, you know, past five o'clock, you know, <laughs> working from 11 to eight and from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. So I'm like, OK, I don't have any more left. So, you know, I end up leaving work early that day and going to the store. And for some reason, I kept tasting uh, pineapples, oranges and carrots. For some odd reason, I never had that combination in my life. <laughs> uh, as far as I would say juicing, I was familiar with the juicing because my family had juice prior before that. So I wasn't new to it. But always had vegetables or fruits or different things like that. So I wasn't somebody who was just like, oh, I'm opposed to carrots or I'm opposed to broccoli or, you know, anything like that. But I went to the store, got my stuff, came home, and I just juiced it all. And that was my favorite juice right there. So that's one thing that on my YouTube channel and on my blog that I have is called My Favorite Juice. It's uh, pineapples, oranges, and carrots. And I love that combination. So after I figured that, hey, I'm going to need a lot more to drink, because I am 400 pounds, that you're going to have to be prepared. So it caused me to be prepared for the next day, for, for day two and, and day three. And far as from there, that's when I started to come up with a better system for myself because I did not want to break, you know. So it was more of a mental thing, like I stated earlier. You know, I didn't want anything to take over my mind or be weak mentally. So I'm like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. So that's amazing, by the way, that you were doing this while working in food kitchen. service. Yeah. <laughs> so cookies are coming out the oven, brownies, you know. <gasps> I, uh, couldn't, I couldn't do it, Christian. And, what, and, and how did you stay strong? 
it was going once again going back to those documentaries. I'm like, okay, now I know why so, there's so much grease. So coming you were out. just resolved. You were just like, yeah. I am doing this. I've never done it before. I'm going to do it. Right. Good right, for you. Right, right. And so you know, when I'm looking at the a ground beef coming out the oven. I'm like, okay, it has this amount of fat. And where was this cow raised? Where was this chicken raised? Are these eggs organic or they're not? You know, so once again, that's how I'm looking at everything. So that's how I was able to survive in the kitchen. So three days go by and then I'm like, okay, I'm down like eight to nine pounds within three days. You know, it probably took me two weeks to lose two pounds at one point in time in my life. But I'm like, well, okay, if I can do eight pounds in three days, what would I be like after five? Mm-hmm. And the results came in after five. I think I was maybe down 10 or 12. And then not only did it become a mental challenge for me to go on for the, for the next day, the results became addictive for me. When I, once I start seeing the scale, because I weighed myself every day just to make sure this diet was working, mm-hmm. you know. When we all go on these diets, we want to make sure everything is working. You know, we do five sit-ups and we go in the mirror and go do go for an ab check. It's like, okay, this better. <laughs> Does that work? Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. So that that's the mentality of you know when you're dying. It's like this better work. So that's why I was weighing myself every day. You know, contrary to belief, you got some people again saying, "Don't weigh yourself every day. Weigh yourself every day. You you got to do what's best for you." Yeah. And that's what I tell people. But I started seeing the results. So. 10 days turned to 14 days, 14 turned to 20. Next thing you know, I'm on 30 and then so on and so on and so on. So and this I didn't is go... all juice still. Right. Well, wow. juice, I did. I started to add smoothies also. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I started to add smoothies because I was like, I know I needed something a little bit thicker mm-hmm. to hold me over. But my smoothies were the ones I made homemade. I have one that I end up coming up with. It's called a watermelon fruit smoothie mm-hmm. that I end up using. Uh, papaya, pineapple, bananas, raspberries, blackberries, blueberries, and if I say blackberries already, and strawberries, <laughs> I'm sorry. And my base of it was watermelon juice because watermelon actually reduces high blood pressure. It is- um, Very detoxifying. Yes, it is. And it's for about four or $5 right now, you get about a gallon and a half you know, once you juice it. So, you know, it was a combination of that. So all these different- kind of factors I'm throwing in. I'm like, what can I buy for cheap that's going to yield the most amount of juice? Mm-hmm. And that's my, my, my main smoothie that I was drinking. Um, and the full recipe is on my blog also as a watermelon fruit smoothie. And I drank a lot of water. Every time I drink a juice, I down two bottles of water. So I'm not only am, am I drinking 32 ounces of juice, I'm also drinking 32 ounces of water behind that juice. So on yeah. the average day, I drunk maybe about two or three quarts of juice and probably about a quart of, of a smoothie. So I'm getting about a gallon of juice in the combination of juice and smoothie, another gallon of water. So I was again over 400 pounds, but you know, the weight is coming off, but I had to constantly try to keep myself satisfied. Sure. Because the thing you don't want to do is be hungry or yeah. blindsided by hunger. And that was just my system that I just started coming up with because I'm like, okay, I got to stay strong. I got to stay full. It doesn't matter if I'm drinking two juices, three juices, or four juices, drink whatever I have to drink so I won't eat, so I won't break. Now, Christian, I have a question for you because you've described two recipes that are all fr- mostly fruit very and carrots have a, you know, a very sweet, which I yeah. love. I'm a big fan of fruit. Um, yeah. Did you ever add green vegetables to your juices? Because- 
you know, I'm thinking that people might be hearing this and thinking, oh, that's a lot of sugar. That's too much sugar. And I always say fruit is, I think fruit sugar is different than, you know, sucrose or white white sugar or, you know, cake sugar. But did you ever add any vegetables to your, to your smoothies? I'm, I'm so glad you said that right there because I think the same exact way you think. The natural sugars in fruit is totally different from this processed white sugar, this high fructose corn syrup, Mm -hmm. you know, all this other stuff. So I totally agree with you on that. To answer the question about when I get down to juices, I tried to stick to a 50-50 method at that time, 50% vegetables, 50% fruit. Mm -hmm. Um, And during this time, I'm experimenting with different vegetables that I've never eaten before or let alone juiced. So... Like a cabbage. I've eaten cabbage before, probably, you know, ladled in salt pork. And, you know, that's how my family would cook it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, rarely was it steamed like that. You know what I mean? Southern cooking. So I was raised up of Southern cooking. So sure. when I had to actually juice a cabbage, it wasn't the best <laughs> taste at all. If anybody's ever juiced a cabbage, <laughs> it, it, it burns your stomach. So I'm like, okay, I have to find something else to, you know, counteract this taste. So I would always use a pineapple to... Mm-hmm to mask that taste. And if that couldn't work, if I was, if the cabbage was a little bit too green that I picked that day, because the greener that it is, the stronger that it is, Mm -hmm. um, then I was like, okay, pineapples and apples. And then I'm like, okay, well now I'm at, you know, a two to one ratio. So let me throw in carrots. So that way it's a, you know, a 50, 50 ratio. So that's how a lot of times I came up with a lot of my juice recipes. That's how I came up with a lot of juice recipes and, you know, doing research and Googling. And initially you're like, okay, what do I make this day? What is this going to be for? And what is that going to be for? Now, the smoothie recipe, my watermelon fruit smoothie is a lot of times that I didn't add any vegetables to it because in my thinking, I'm like, well, I'm getting enough vegetables through my juices already. This is like, I would say, uh, post-workout or dessert or what may have you. And if I did, I would use spinach. Mm-hmm. I tried kale. I just didn't like the coarseness of kale in the blender. So spinach is a good way to mask that. If you want to add some vegetables to your to your smoothie, I would recommend, you know, spinach. But just during that time, you know, I can say that now in hindsight, but during that time it was juice, a lot of water, and that's in that uh, watermelon fruit smoothie that I was uh, intaking. And I did that for two months. So two months straight, that's pretty much what I lived off of. Can you talk to us about positive affirmations and how you got there mentally? Positive affirmations is actually something that I personally started at the beginning of this year. I've always been called an optimistic person because I'm always looking for the better of mm-hmm. a situation. Mm-hmm. Um, even when my mother passed, I was always telling myself, what am I supposed to learn out of this? Because if I didn't ask myself that question of what would be the benefit of the situation, I believe I would have had a total mental breakdown. So it was just a matter of looking at things in a better light because going on social media and, you know, in the social media days and, you know, everybody had their phone in their hand or sitting at the computer, yeah, just yeah. watching TV. We're just surrounded by advertisement. And I'm saying advertisement from the standpoint of somebody is advertising their thoughts. Mm -hmm. Every post is an advertisement of an individual's thoughts, what they're thinking at that point in time, whether it be good or bad. And I just said, well, what better way to start my day, but just telling myself what I want, telling Mm -hmm. myself that, 
I'm strong. I'm a, I'm going to be, you know, financially blessed. I'm going to be spiritually blessed. I'm going to be blessed in my health, you know, every day, because I don't want to rely on somebody else telling me that I don't want to rely on somebody else being my pick me up. Yeah. And I just started telling myself that every day and declaring things that I wanted out of life, declaring where I wanted to be at the end of the year, whether it be goals, weight loss, financial or business wise or whatever, regardless of how silly that it may have sounded even to me at the time, I just had to just get it out and had to make sure that I looked myself in the mirror every morning and tell myself that. And at first I didn't even believe it. I'm like, oh, this is a a crock of crap seeing these people, you know, these Tony Robbins people, you know, saying all this crazy stuff, you know, whatever. (laughs) But in the same sense is that as I'm saying that, I'm like, okay, people can talk crazy all day. You know, nobody loves me or life is hard. And then you realize life is hard for that person. Why? Because the power of life and death is in the tongue. And if you Mm. keep saying that, then obviously it's going to keep happening. So why not spend that same energy, but put it in a positive affirmation? So the power of life and death is in the tongue. I like that. Correct. (laughs) So when I started doing that, I had to start believing it. So not only did phase one was just saying it, then phase two was actually believing it. And you have to say it because you have to hear yourself say it, not so much say it in your mind, but you have to speak it like we're speaking right now. And once I started believing it and started becoming more consistent at it, things started to open up. Things that I stopped speaking over my life started to open up, whether it be weight loss, whether it be clients, whether it be anything that I was speaking of one way or another, I started to see the steps that presented itself for me to climb up that ladder to whatever I was trying to get to. Mm -hmm. And some days I'm in a rush and some days I don't say it. I don't speak my positive affirmations over myself. And I notice a difference in my attitude. I Mm -hmm. notice a difference in my demeanor. And the moment that I do start saying it, then I see the positive outcomes come. So I've gotten to a point personally that it is not beneficial for me in no way, shape or form to not do it every day because I've put these things out in the universe for them to come to me. So if I don't keep saying them all the time, they won't. And I know just for my spiritual well-being that I have to say it because if I don't, then everything is thrown off that day. You know, it's just like waking up and not stretching or waking up. Some people have their morning coffee, just how you get that jolt of energy. (laughs) That's how what positive affirmations provide for me. Spread love, not war. Speak positivity into your life every day and speak positivity into someone else's life every day. All right. To hear the full interview with Christian, go back to episode 187 of Food Heals. I hope you're enjoying this wellness and weight loss series and all the clips are really inspiring you. We've talked a lot today about juicing, about working out, about getting the mindset right, all of the things. In the last episode before this, we talked a lot about spirituality and manifestation and creating the life and the body that you desire using the law of attraction. And if all of these tips and tools and stories are resonating with you, but you're not sure what to do next. Maybe you've already taken the five steps to food freedom free course and you're like, I've got this, but I need the next level stuff. I can help and I want to help you. That's why I created my food freedom course, 
over at dropthefoodshame.com. What you'll learn in the course is the most effective healing tools for your emotional healing toolbox because we know that very often we are holding on to beliefs from childhood that have now, you know, permeated into adulthood, which are creating misbeliefs about our bodies, about ourselves, about the world, about food, you know, things that we can actually rid ourselves of and create food freedom. You're going to learn the exact step-by-step process for when diet and exercise just aren't enough, which when they aren't cutting it anymore and you need the next level emotional healing work. I'm going to teach you a process for identifying, shifting, and changing your core misbeliefs around your body. We're going to talk about how to integrate trust and ease and self-love into your daily practice so it doesn't have to be a struggle anymore. You don't have to always be thinking about what am I going to do today to get healthier and then destroy it at night. I know that's what I would be doing. We're going to talk about how to stop overeating, stop stress eating, and end emotional eating for good. And you're going to get the exact healing meditations, the tools, the processes that I have used to love myself and love my body. It's three weeks of lessons for you. You basically get something every day to practice and to, you know, integrate into your healing practice and daily routine. So why do we need tools? We need tools, in my opinion, because when we're going about our daily, regular life, we're not making time to do the things that will bring us the most, the highest amount of results because we're super busy. Our schedules are full. We have families, we have kids, we have co-workers, we have people depending on us at all times. We have smartphones that are demanding of our time. We're getting text messages, we're getting emails, we're getting Facebook, Instagram, all kinds of notifications from all of the apps that we use, and it gets overwhelming. And in this modern day, it just feels like we're not creating time for ourselves. And when we are, it's more to binge watch TV or eat dessert than it is to take care of ourselves and, you know, do self-care rituals because we're just exhausted. I get it. I've been there. I I still am there sometimes and I have to bring myself back with the tools. So we've got to work on our emotional selves, our spiritual selves. We've got to work on our mindsets because it's like we can't heal emotional eating, for example, or overeating when we have the same mindset that we've had for the past like 20, 30 or 40 years, right? We have to change our minds first. Willpower doesn't work when the root cause hasn't been addressed. Think about that. So it's like physically, we may want to green juice every day and eat small plant-based meals and intermittent fast and go to the gym and take our supplements. And then after 60 days or 30 days or sometimes just a week, our old patterns start to creep back in. And then we stop doing the healthy things we were doing. We fall back onto our old patterns and we go, oh, this didn't work. This doesn't work, right? So then we're back into our old emotional eating patterns or overeating because these are the of, these are the ways that we've trained our bodies for years and years and years to avoid pain, to avoid feeling our feelings, to give us a sense of control when we feel out of control, right? So we haven't changed the mindset. We just changed the physical things and the physical things will work to a degree. Juicing is going to work to a degree. Exercise is going to work to a degree. To a degree. Changing your diet, absolutely. These are life-changing modalities, but they can't last if you don't change the mindset that you had before you started. Am I making sense? 
So changing your diet, changing your exercise routine, starting a smoothie regimen, all of these things are amazing components of creating a healthy body. But if we're not addressing the emotional and spiritual issues that are underlying why we eat the way we eat, then we're not able to fully heal our relationship with food. And therefore, all the diet and exercise in the world, frankly, won't get us to where we want to be. So it's like recognizing these things like, are we eating because we're truly physically hungry? Or are we eating because we had a hard day and we deserve it? Ben and Jerry's after after a breakup, um, emotional eating not to deal with the pain, food as reward, ice cream after school, unhealthy snacks after dinner, right? These are just things that have, have become ingrained into our mental, physical, and emotional lifestyles. And very often we're using food as a way to suppress emotions that we don't want to feel. It works the other way too. Like if you're starving yourselves or putting yourself on a strict diet, this can be a way of suppressing emotions as well. This is a form of control. This is a form of avoiding the pain that comes with experiencing these emotions. So whether you're overeating, binge eating, you know, emotionally eating or not eating or starving yourself, these are all, they all come down to the same thing, right? We are trying to control a feeling that we don't want to feel. But unfortunately, the problem is that the more that we suppress our feelings, the more that we, you know, train our bodies into the pattern of addicting, addictive eating, eating too much or not fueling our bodies properly, we perpetuate not dealing with our emotions. Okay. Am I making sense? So literally the secret is that when we choose instead to face the emotions and to feel it, to heal it. Okay. I know I say that on the podcast a lot, but think about it. When we feel it, to heal it, we automatically begin to heal our food addictions. Okay. So this is what I go over in food freedom, my three week course. And I teach you all the tools and tactics to get yourself to a place of self-love and self-care and ending the food addictions for good so that you can lose the weight for good, so that you can feel good in your skin for the rest of your life. You can create lifestyle changes and you'll have the tools and tactics that you can use anytime that you need them. I still rely on these things on a regular basis because life is going to throw us curveballs no matter how spiritually, emotionally, and physically, you know, healed we have become, right? We're constantly healing, but I'm always moving myself up the healing ladder and I want to help you do that too. So check that out. Drop the food chain. Com. See you next time, Food Heals Nation. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, women have experienced a strong desire to stop asking their boyfriends if they look fat in this dress. If you experience any of these symptoms, post a selfie to Instagram immediately.